No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Imagine what it would be like for a woman to have a wrestling match in her womb. Well, today we look at Isaac and Rebecca's twins and the different lives they're going to lead. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 25, right here on Simply the Bible. What are the factors for raising good children? Is it nature or is it nurture? How is it that two children raised in the same environment by the same parents can be so different? Today we will look at two twin boys who were about as opposite as they come. We pick it up in Genesis 25, 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. It is interesting that both Sarah and Rebekah were barren, but Isaac had grown up in a home of faith. And when Rebekah could not conceive, Isaac knew what to do. He put himself on his knees and in prayer. He pled with the Lord for his wife earnestly. In Isaac's day, there was no cure for infertility. There were no infertility pills or in vitro fertilization. The only thing Isaac could do was pray, and pray he did. In the technological culture in which we live, our first response is often to look to man's methods to solve problems rather than to God. But is the arm of the Lord too short to save? Is he unable or unwilling to answer prayer? Isaac pleaded with the Lord for 20 years before his prayer was answered. One of the best things we can do for our wives is to persistently pray for them and to keep praying even if we don't see results at first. And if you're a single guy and you'd like to get married someday, Then pray now, persistently, for your future wife. Verse 22. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. When my wife Cindy was pregnant, I loved to put my hand on her stomach and feel the baby within her kicking. It was amazing to me, and I wonder what must that feel like to have this child inside kicking the walls of your womb, you know. But I can't imagine what it would have been like for Rebecca to have two children not only kicking, but kickboxing, wrestling with inside, struggling. And so she went to the Lord in prayer and inquired of him. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Esau and Jacob would literally struggle from the womb to the tomb and even beyond that, for the descendants of Esau would be antagonistic toward the descendants of Jacob. The Apostle Paul quotes this verse in Romans 9 as he speaks of God's sovereignty in election. 
Before they were even born, God chose the one who would inherit the blessing of Abraham. The older shall serve the younger. But whenever we speak of God's election or his right to choose whom he will, we cannot separate it from God's foreknowledge. Paul pointed out in Romans 8.29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God already knew how these two boys would turn out. Esau would be a man after the flesh, who had little regard for spiritual things. Jacob would have his faults for sure, but he would have regard for spiritual things. Having foreknowledge, God predestined Jacob to receive the blessings while Esau would serve his younger brother. Likewise, if you're saved, it is because God chose you and appointed you for eternal life. Praise the Lord. But God already foreknew how you would respond to his grace in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, if you're not saved, it is because you have not been willing to come to Christ. So if that's the case, is our salvation the result of God's sovereignty or our responsibility? Well, both. For Jesus said in John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. That's God's sovereignty. And the one who comes to me, that's man's responsibility, I will by no means cast out. So if you have rejected Jesus Christ, then you can't blame God for your own stubborn heart. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So while God told Rebekah that the older would serve the younger, Esau still had his choices that would bring him to that position. Verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Usually when babies are born, they are bald and toothless. If they have hair, it is usually just a small amount. And sometimes an infant is born with a full head of hair. And we consider that to be remarkable. But Esau was born with hair all over his body. So they named him Harry, which is what Esau means. He was also born with red pigmentation. So they would nickname him Edom, which means red. Now, as Esau was born, the hand of his brother was grasping his heel. So they named him Jacob, which means literally heel catcher. And that came to be known as supplanter, as if he were seeking to grasp his brother's position, which, of course, Jacob later would do. Verse 27. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. The boys were very different. Esau grew to be a skillful hunter and an outdoorsman. He was what we would call a man's man. Jacob was a mild man. Now, really, I think the translators do Jacob an injustice in calling him a mild man, for the Hebrew word is also translated blameless or perfect or complete. 
Jacob was a man who had a heart for spiritual things, although to be sure, he was a diamond in the rough. While Esau liked going out, Jacob liked staying in. He was a homebody and evidently a gourmet chef. Unfortunately, the parents began showing favoritism early on toward their two sons. Isaac favored Esau because he brought him home tasty wild game that Isaac loved to eat. But Rebekah loved Jacob, for he liked to be with her. Jacob was a mama's boy, and Esau was his dad's son. Now, favoritism in a family does great harm to the children. When one child is favored over another, it breeds jealousy and hatred in the heart of the unloved child or children, and often it makes the loved child a spoiled brat. Verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Both sons were true to form. Jacob was at home cooking while Esau was outdoors in the field. And when he came home, he smelled that stew, and he wanted some now. Since it was red stew... This incident contributed to Esau being given a new name, Edom, red. Verse 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Knowing Esau's weakness, Jacob took advantage of the situation to better his own position. Esau's response, look, I'm about to die, so what is the birthright to me? It was obviously a great exaggeration. His parents certainly would not have let him die if he was really that hungry. Esau's reaction revealed that he cared more about satisfying his own appetite than about the position that God had given him. Therefore, he despised his birthright. What a sad commentary on Esau's character. The birthright meant that he was the priest and the spiritual leader of the family. But this meant nothing to Esau. The birthright also meant that he would receive a double portion of the inheritance. And in this case, it meant that he would be the one through whom the Messiah would come. While Esau showed no remorse in trading his birthright, he would be very sorrowful over losing his blessing. How many are like Esau today? They have no interest in spiritual things. They are people of the world. They think like the world. They're not interested in being the spiritual leaders of their family. They don't want to sacrifice to love their wives as Christ loves the church. They don't want to train up their children in the way of the Lord. They have no desire to serve the Lord in the place that he's called them to. They don't value the precious gifts of God, but they do care when they don't receive the blessings that God has in store for the righteous. They become envious and hateful toward those who walk with God. The author of Hebrews warns us in Hebrews 12, 16, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance. 
even though he begged with bitter tears. I have seen many people who have fallen, so many who have traded the gifts of God for bowls of beans. Some fall for women. Others are lifted up in pride. Still others become greedy for money or possessions. Satan sifts them like wheat, takes them out of the race, and they throw everything away for a brief indulgence of the flesh. But later, when they realize how stupid they've been, there's nothing they can do to reverse the consequences. And that's the point the author of Hebrews is making. Esau couldn't bring about a change of the circumstances, even though he sought it with tears. Now, if you've played the fool, if you've opted to indulge your flesh rather than value the gifts of God, you may indeed have lost much. However, God is gracious. He's merciful. He's forgiving. As Jesus said, those who come to me, I will by no means cast out. And the door is always open to be forgiven by God, to be given a new start. The Lord will receive you where you are. You may not be able to reverse the consequences of your decisions, but God will plot a new course of restoration and blessing if you will repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. A godless person can become a godly person. There are never-ending new beginnings for those who will humble themselves and seek the Lord. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go by their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. You'll also find an email address and we would love to hear from you. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, next week we'll see how the sin of the father became the sin of the son. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Genesis right here on Simply the Bible.